Contract Properties is a homegrown, family-owned maintenance company located in Nashville. They provide HVAC, electrical, plumbing, painting, and many other services for commercial and residential properties. From build-outs to junk removal, one call does it all. Whether you're a homeowner or a property manager, give Contract Properties a call today for a free estimate. 615-356-0755. That's 615-356-0755. Or visit ContractProperties.net. This is the Midday 180. Delivered by Edley's Barbecue. With Jonathan Hutton, Chad Withrow, and Paul Kuharski. On 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. With Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton. Ryan Albanese is in for the chairman of the board, David Reed. Paul Kuharski. Just signed off. He is headed to the Jacksonville airport. That's where I was this morning. A lot of Titans fans leaving Jacksonville just as they arrived. Happy and ready for football. You guys did exactly what you need to do when in Jacksonville. Leave. <laughs> That's for everyone. It is. Um, everyone in North Florida. You know what Derrick Henry sad, did? sad, sad city. He left North Florida. He went to Bama and then he went to Nashville. That was a good move for him. And just like everyone else that lives in North Florida, do the right thing and leave. Much like Hutton did this morning, Paul's doing right now, and all the Titans fans who made the trip down. They all left. (laughs) Smart move. Went down, took care of business against a bad football team yesterday. The Titans return with their ninth win of the season. And now they face Detroit this coming Sunday. Matthew Stafford having uh, his ribs looked at today. And there's a lot of talk that this is the final season for Detroit with Matthew Safford. A lot to get to there uh, with that story as the the week develops. If not, Matthew Stafford, Chase Daniel, will be the starting quarterback for the Detroit Lions in Nashville this week. Everyone's favorite backup, Chase Daniel. (laughs) (laughs) Or is it... Is it Mike Glennon? He's number two, both on the scorebook and and in your hearts. Always number two. You know... It doesn't. It doesn't surprise me, but it always. Every time that the the fan base, wherever we are, chants for the backup quarterback, it's jarring. You know, that was the case yesterday with Gardner Minshew. The fans there love the guy. But why, he's, why is he's he not at, starting? I mean, I, well, because he's not that consistent. No, he's not. But Mike Glennon. I mean, <laughs> Mike Glennon can actually push the ball down the field. Well, I, Gardner look, Minshew I, was skipping some rocks. I I will. Uh, take the words of one Dean Pease, and I asked him directly, who would you rather see yeah. if you're the defense? And he said, Mike Glennon. Yeah, because he's going to stand there. Yes. But, I mean, at least Gardner Minshew gives you a little something, gives you a little bit of excitement. He had a touchdown drive. They're only one of the day, right, when he checked in. <laughs> oh, that's true. Better than nothing. Hey, there's some Vols news uh, to get to uh, coming down the last 30 minutes or so, if I can quickly sure. shift gears. Uh, Brandon Johnson, wide receiver, has entered the transfer portal. Uh, He is going to be a graduate transfer. He's graduated from Tennessee, so he'll move on with some of the freshman receivers for Tennessee getting more run. Looked like his time was up either way, so he's going to move on as a graduate transfer. Terrence Lewis, who decommitted from Tennessee two weeks ago, five-star linebacker from Miami, it was thought he was going to go to Auburn. Well, Auburn fires Gus Malzahn, and now he's released a final two of Tennessee and Maryland. And he says he will announce on January 2nd, but he'll sign in two days. A lot of signs pointing to Terrence Lewis will be back in this Tennessee recruiting class. The five-star linebacker from Miami. Again, down to Tennessee and Maryland. 
but he's going to sign in a couple days and then announce on January 2nd. Um, and Jeremy Pruitt was asked if he's been given assurances from Philip Former that he'll be back, and he said he is not. He said they never talk about these things during the season. He's too busy preparing the team, getting ready for A&M. He said that conversation will happen after the season like it always happens after the season. But at this point, if you're making a move, you're not doing it until after the season based on the recruiting class, right? Oh, no. At this yeah, point. T- Tennessee's going to get as many signed as they can before yeah. knowing what to, that'll be after Wednesday. It, it wouldn't be until after A&M either way. And, you know, we talked to Austin Price earlier, Hutton, and he said it's continued evaluation for Philip Fulmer. Saying the, the Vandy win, nice. You did what you're supposed to. That's just an evaluation tool. This game against A&M, another evaluation tool. Harrison Bailey and how he plays and JT Shrout. And offensively, what do you look like? Another evaluation tool for Jeremy Pruitt. And not just for Philip Fulmer on Jeremy Pruitt, but for Jeremy Pruitt and his staff in what direction that takes a year from now. 615-737-1045, our number. Corey, the communicator, will join us coming up. Uh, he's on hold, but you can join him, and we can go rapid-fire phones today. Uh, waiting on Eddie George. He should join us here momentarily, presented by Edley's Barbecue and your local Ford dealer. We will hear from Titans head coach Mike Vrabel. That's coming up at 1230 today. One quick other uh, Tennessee note. Uh, Vols basketball, after beating Cincinnati on Saturday, now ranked 10th in the country. So they have entered the top 10 in the AP rankings, 2-0 and with wins over Colorado and Cincinnati. Something to keep in mind, their first SEC game will be December 30th in Columbia, Missouri, against Conzo Martin in Missouri. Missouri goes from unranked to 16th in the country. They beat number 6 Illinois. They already have three really good wins yeah. at Missouri, and they're likely going to be undefeated hosting Tennessee to open SEC play. Right now, that game would be number 16 versus number 10 when those two play each other on December 30th. Derrick Henry, the big storyline yesterday in Jacksonville. He ran for 215 yards and two scores, the second-best rushing effort of his career. His 13th career two-touchdown game, two or more touchdown game. His fifth this season, and he has eight 100-yard rushing efforts on the season now. He surpassed 1,500 yards for the second consecutive year, joining Earl Campbell as the only player in franchise history with two 1,500-yard seasons. On the uh, on the road this year, 873 rushing yards in six road games, which leads the NFL. Ryan Tannehill, very good once again. You know, we mentioned in the previous segment, you can say elite this season. He completed 79% of his passes yesterday. It's the best total in a Titans uniform. He threw two more touchdown passes. He now has 28 for the year, career high, and the most by a Titans quarterback since the franchise moved to town. And he's now thrown, as I previously mentioned, two touchdown passes or more in 19 of his 23 starts with the franchise. It's an offense that can win games in the playoffs. There's no doubt about it. We saw it a year ago. What we're witnessing from Derrick Henry is special. I asked this question to Paul Hutton to start the show today. Are we really appreciating what we're witnessing with Derrick Henry right now? I don't know that we're fully comprehending as a city, as a sports market, just how special this run from Derrick Henry is. Let me put it in perspective. And what this could be, ultimately. What what we've witnessed last year and now this year, and what we, potentially what he's headed for. 
the last NFL player to lead the league in rushing in back-to-back seasons. LaDainian Tomlinson yep. did it in 2006 and 2007. You know who did it before LaDainian Tomlinson? In back-to-back seasons? Oh, uh, I'm going to go with the Denver Broncos. Eddie George. Really? Eddie George did it in 99 and 2000. So I was going to say TD. But, I'm thinking of a great two-year stretch when I think of that. But think also, that's Hall of Fame material. You get two, three years like this, you're in the Hall of Fame. That That's the running back position now for a lot of guys. I'm not saying it's just going to be this this year, these two years. I think he's playing at a level where you could expect this for a third year also. Then when do you start having the diminishing returns? But, I mean, he's on a Hall of Fame path. Well, and the numbers that he's – I mean, he, he's putting himself in elite company with some of the stats now that are coming out. The four 200-yard rushing yeah, games. Though, though, I mean, when you, you start, Barry Sanders, Jim Brown, LT are the other yeah, three. Yeah, and when you start reading through those names, you're, you're in you know, high air. Um, but as an offense, consider, too, what they're doing on the road and what they did last year on the road. There are only two teams that have a better road record than the Titans right now. Um, and the Titans, Chad, are averaging 188 yards rushing per road game, 26 more yards than the second-place team in this category, the New Orleans Saints. When that Their, their offense travels. And the defense is actually improving. I, Channel 5 last night asked me if I thought – you know, if we were seeing improvement from the Titans' defense, or was this about you know Jacksonville being really bad? And I said, well, both can be true. We we are seeing an improved Titans' defense, and Jacksonville's offense is really bad. But over the last four games for the offense, I think we've we've noted the numbers defensively. Even with Cleveland factored in, the Titans' defense ranks fifteenth over the last four games, fifteenth in the league in yards allowed per game. And they're ninth in rushing yards allowed per game. They've been good against the run over the last month. So, but when you factor in prior to what they did prior to the the previous four games, since we're just taking out that portion of the schedule, they were 26th in total yards allowed and 18th in rushing yards allowed. So we are seeing improvement, but they also did play Jacksonville. But we're also factoring in the 40-plus well, points they allowed to Cleveland. Jacksonville lit them up early in the season. Right. There's your, there's your banner for improvement. Right. Yeah. No, A good. Jacksonville You're offense right. would have lit them up through the air earlier this season. So they've gotten better in that they can stop a bad offense, which they did yesterday. I thought Malcolm Butler was terrific in yesterday's game. And they were going at him. Yeah. Corey, the communicator, will join us coming up. Also, we will hear from Mike Vrabel. Titans head coach with the the latest injury news, Roger Saffold. He'll be asked about that. Of course, Ben Jones playing with a huge brace on one of his legs, and I think they were looking at his other knee based on the binoculars yesterday. Um, I'm not expecting a, a, a thorough injury report, but we'll certainly get the rundown of how hobbled they are and the big topics going into the final three games of the season. A chance to put a stamp on... One of their goals from the outset, which was to host a playoff game. They do that if they win the division. Midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue on 104.5 The Zone. Midday 180, delivered by Ed. 
Edley's Barbecue. Normally, uh, Eddie George on the show today. He will join us tomorrow. We will hear from Mike Vrabel coming up in about eight minutes. Ryan Albanese will give you the thumbs up when it's time to toss that direction. Chad, if I may, just for comparison's sake, and I, I was going to bring this up with Eddie. So, Eddie George in the 99 season and the 2000 season, back-to-back years, leading the NFL in rushing. Over that span, and I'm going to compare this to Henry, over that span, he had 11 games of 100 yards or more. Henry, with three games to play, has 14. He had Eddie had seven games of 125 yards or more. Henry has eight. Eddie had 23 touchdowns when he led the league in back-to-back seasons. Great, great two years. Derrick Henry has 30. Eddie had 69 carries of 10 or more yards. Derrick Henry, 79 carries of 10 or more yards. And Eddie had nine carries of 20-plus. Henry has 21 carries for 20-plus. And again, he still has three more games to play. You never fully appreciate something when you're in, inside of it in that moment of time when something's going great. Now, and, and that's that's Derrick Henry right now. With this, but but this here's, here's an example of why we should appreciate Henry because I'm, I'm not sure if we appreciate Chris Johnson enough because while it's not back-to-back seasons, the 2,000-yard season. So Henry right now, over the last two years combined, 14 games of 100 yards or more. CJ in 2009 and 2010 had 20 games of 100 yards or more in those two years. They didn't lead the league in rushing both seasons, but he had the 2,000-yard season in there. And on top of that, 25 touchdowns, 35 carries of 20 or more yards. I mean, when you look at the numbers, it's ridiculous. Well, still an outside shot for Derrick Henry to get to 2,000 yards this year, too. Yes. You know, I thought last week, though, against Cleveland really hurt that. that. shut it down. Yeah. Let's go to Jake. Jake, welcome. Hey, how you guys doing? Great, man. I wanted to, uh, something I took from the game yesterday that I've been waiting for a long time is that when we gave Malcolm uh, Butler all that money to be a like a shutdown corner, I thought he finally did that yesterday instead of getting smoked all day or ran over. He was up playing physical, you know, and shutting his receiver down so we can – put him out on the island with somebody, if he could just do that all the time, I think it'd be worth the money that we paid him. Appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. You know, Malcolm's going to play aggressive, and his aggressive style paid off yesterday. But I, I like, I mean, he's having a really strong year. I love his mentality because he is, he's right back up and at it the very next snap whenever he gets beat. I, that's and he's paying he is playing one of the most difficult positions in the NFL. The rules are stacked against him. Sometimes he talks a little too much for my liking on every single play or every breakup or every overthrow even when he doesn't do anything, but it's absolutely who he is. Oh, that's So that you, you take the good with the bad. That that's a guy who he needs to do that to get him going. And that's that's just the way the his personality He's playing like that undrafted player that had to make the New England roster. It was a great pick on that play where he yeah. under, undercut the guy. Well, and how about the – he batted away several passes in coverage, um, but the one where he – in, in Minshew throw, I, I believe he was going for Chark, 
and he batted that away in the end zone. Great coverage. Let's go to Corey. Corey, the communicator on line one. Hey, Corey. Good morning, guys. How was the weekend? How was the weekend, Corey? Pretty good. I uh, I had a Derrick Henry on my fantasy team, and he carried me into the championship. So I'm gonna take that. And uh, what's um? Can you tell us your team name? Your fantasy name? I'm a rugs one out. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was gonna be something that something along those lines. Corey, are you on Twitter now? We had someone claiming to be Corey the Communicator tweet us. Yeah, that's me. Oh, Corey the Communicator now on Twitter. Chad, what's the what's the account? I don't want to ask Corey. It's I'm at a- O-Corey. O-H-H-C-O-R-Y. That's yours, right, Corey? Yes, sir. You go by Nephew Corey? Oh, I just do that because I play with uh, Jay Mark. Okay. Corey the Communicator. It says, uh, oh, Corey, Lakers, Ducks, Raiders, Angels, Titans. That makes sense. He's from Anaheim. Yeah. Any big yeah, plans this week, <laughs> Corey? What else you got going working, on? Are, are working you, hard. You sound like an actual robot right now, the way your phone's clicking. <laughs> Sorry about that. Um, I am playing my, my little video game, and I also I just finished checking my stocks. You remind so, me. Corey, a lot of, I don't know if you watch SNL, but Kyle Mooney, yes, the actor on yeah. SNL, like it's, it seems like we're in a Kyle Mooney video, like a digital short where he's <laughs> playing the role of a gamer from California talking to us on a sports show. Yeah. Are you familiar know, with Kyle Mooney? Well, that's just, uh, that's just who I am. I, uh, I dabble in a little bit of everything and, uh, I'm fairly decent at everything. Do you uh, are you familiar with Kirby Allen Kirby? I dabble in everything. He dabbles. Yes, I am. Do you feel like you and Kirby would be a good match if you guys hung out, just with your life experiences and your ability to do a little bit of everything? Yeah, but probably no one else would be able to talk if we were in the same room together. We'd probably just talk each other's heads off. Well, that's yeah, that's no problem. It's tough to get a word in with Kirby, and and you seem like you'd be more of a listener than Kirby. And I think uh, I'm a little more logical and down to earth than he is because he's got a lot of uh, outlandish uh oh so you don't be- you don't believe you don't believe the stories that he tells i'd just like to experience one of them myself I got a couple you. of times before I, I believe all of the Corey, the can you can you please clarify you said you're a ro- robotics technician at one point what exactly is your job well i guess another title would be electronics technician so, like, if your computer screen or your TV at home were to, like, go down, I could, like, take the back of it off and fix it for you. You're on the geek squad at Best Buy is what I'm hearing. That type Higher of person. Level that. Higher level than that. But you're, like, an at-home IT guy. Geek squad works for him. <laughs> no, it's just a, uh, a little larger scale, I guess. Uh, I work on industrial electronics. So, so you be at like a GM plant or a Ford plant. I'm assuming you work from home since you're gaming every day when you call us. I just I call you guys on my lunch. Okay. How do you game on your lunch? Just on my phone. Oh, you're gaming on your phone. Okay. Yeah. What is I your? I don't have a console at home or anything like that, so I just use my phone. It's hard to believe you don't have a console at home. What What does your wife think about all the gaming on your phone? Hates it. <laughs> Sounds like a good woman. Yeah. Does she know you? That, does she know you're on uh, on midday on eighty right now as Corey the communicator? Yeah, she doesn't think that you guys. Uh, that's a good word. 
Next way to explain it. She thinks y'all are uh, jerking my chain. She's right. <laughs> she's a smart. She's a smart lady. She is very perceptive. Yes. And she married you, Corey, which makes her even. How long smarter. have you been married to her? We've been married four years. Okay. When did you guys she get married? Not. When you were fifteen? No, I'm twenty nine. Okay. So we got married when we were like 22, 21, 22, yeah, 22. I think I don't well, do math. Uh, you're 29. You said you've been married four years? Yeah. <laughs> so you got married when you were, so say that one more time, you got married when you were 22? We met when we were, I don't, like I said, I don't have a good memory and I don't do numbers. You're very good at communicating. Definitely don't do numbers. Robotics. Sure. Electronics. Yeah. That's your thing. Luckily, I don't have to do any math with my, my stuff. Hey, what what is your wife's name? Ariana. Ariana. We have to get Ariana on the show at some point. Can you have her call in tomorrow? <laughs> yeah, I can try. Okay. I'm assuming she works. Yeah, she works from home. Okay. But well, then she can call. Do you have the same lunch break, though? Like, could you call in on one? Could you both call in from separate phones? Yeah. Okay. That's what we'll do then, Corey. Corey, the communicator. Vrabel. Coach Vrabel trying to communicate with the local media. It is uh, time to head over uh, to the Zoom chat where they are just starting the press conference. Titan, Titans winning 31-10 to 10 yesterday over Jacksonville. Coach Vrabel's Monday after the game thoughts happening right now. Uh, with, our, with our preparation, uh, the way we uh, meet and prepare and, uh, and how we practice. And so hopefully if we continue to build the consistency through the week, uh, that'll carry over uh, on Sunday, which is the most important day this Sunday. Uh, Jim? Jim, are you there? Uh, Trump? Yeah, good afternoon, Coach. You're, you're young inside linebackers. Uh, after watching... Last week's game and, and, and some of the other defensive games you've had, how would you assess their play, uh, specifically, you know, Rashawn Evans and, and, and David Long? Okay. I'll continue to improve and, and learn and study. And I know you have the, the, the three parts of, of run defense, setting the edge, swarming and, and, and walling. How do they fall into that? area because your run defense has been pretty good over the last uh, two or three weeks. Yeah. Uh, you know, the one thing that, that stands out, I think, is that they, you know, have the ability to, um, you know, you got to fit off the guys in front of you. You know, everybody talks about gap control and, you know, that sounds great, but you know, sometimes guys get out of their gaps and, you know, each level behind them has to, to make up for that. And, and you're going to have to do a nice job of being able to feel that and see that and, you know, we didn't get that done on, on the big one. You know, we, we didn't get that done from the linebacker level and then ended up with a missed tackle. So clearly the, the, there wasn't the, the wall built, but there has been. You know, I think they, they, they showed that they wanted to come out and run the football. And you know, I, was, I was proud of the, the way that we, we defended the run early on in that football game and, and pretty much um, you know, the way it went on our side of the ball offensively is, is forced them to, to be one-dimensional. Appreciate it. Mm -hmm. uh, Jim? 
Uh, Mike, how big of a challenge is it when you find out you, a day before a game you're not going to have a guy like Kenny Vaccaro? How'd you do with the adjustments there, and, and how is Kenny? Um, yeah, I mean, we just – that's part of the job. You know, we we got to make a roster uh, designation, you know, an hour and a half before the game as to who's going to be active and who's going to not be. And I think it's always – a good reminder when these things come up is that everybody should be prepared uh, to play in the football game, you know, up until that time. And, uh, you know, guys, guys are ready to go. And guys, some guys you know, take advantage of the opportunity. Um, you know, and then Kenny, you know, I mean, we're still, you know, obviously hopefully we'll get him back this week and we'll see where he is when we get you know, back to practice. And, and as far as defensively, you didn't have any sacks, but it seemed like pressure was a lot better and you a lot, made a lot of plays on the ball in the secondary. How would you like from an attitude, from a kind of following through performance on Sunday? I think there were some good things. We missed some opportunities. You know, I think that's the that's the biggest takeaway is that we missed some opportunities to, to sack the quarterback, to, to intercept the ball. Uh, there were some MOBPs. Um, you know, there were times that you know, it looked really good and there were times where you know, we're, we're jumping up in zone coverage uh, as they throw it over our head and, and, and continue to improve in you know, stacks and bunches that, that teams are going to do. Uh, David Buckler. Mike, could Roger Saffold have gone back in yesterday if the situation was different? And how, how challenging is it for him right now that he seems to keep having to deal with these, these nicks and dings along the way? Um. You know, Rogers played a lot of a lot of a lot of football in his career, and you know, I think he's dealt with you know some of these things late in the season, like a lot of offensive linemen. I think to be able to have the durability uh, to do that and, and and play through some of that has been probably part of his success, a big part of his success. Um, so we'll just try to get him you know get him going this week and see how he feels and. Uh, again, we, we appreciate those guys. I know Derek does and, and the way that they finish and the way that they play. Uh, John Glenn. Yeah, Mike, I was going to ask you about uh, getting pressure on the quarterback as well. Uh, did seem like there's a little bit more. I was going to ask you particularly, did you see some things from Roberson in that regard? Uh, he get around the, the quarterback uh, a little bit more than you'd seen in terms of pressure? Um, you know, it been block him a couple times and he you know, got on the edge one time and he's got to work on finishing, you know. So that's uh, when the when game gets to that point uh, where they're throwing it, you know, we're going to have to execute games. We're going to have to win one-on-one, all those types of things. So we'll keep we'll keep working and, and, and Roby's trying to improve and I know that he's trying to trying to help us. He just he's got to start finishing on some of those and, and trying to get the ball out of the quarterback's hand and, and get him on the ground. All right. And uh, uh, Christian Fulton, I'll, I'll try again this week. Is the plan to activate him this week? Um, well, I think we have until tomorrow. So we'll keep you updated, John. Thank you. Uh, Terry. Mike, uh, Stephen Goskowski seems to have turned things around uh with his field goal kicking here uh, over the last three or four games. Uh, what can you attribute that to? And uh, has he had to make any adjustment uh, that got him back on track? I think we should probably make Steven available for you so that you guys can 
you know, be able to, to ask him that, you know, this is a very specialized um, thing that these guys do. You know, Steven's a professional. We talked about his, his ability, you know, throughout the course of his career and you know, his percentages and how he's done. And, um, you know, it's been positive. That was a huge kick, 53 yarder. He made all the, made all his extra points. And so I, I really, for me to speak about how Steven is kicking and he's trying to practice and improve, I think just had, having good weeks of practice. Um, but I think you may, may get more from, from Steven about that than, than you would for me. Uh, Buck. Yeah, coach, going back to, uh, uh, the question about Amani and Kenny. Is, I know you expect everybody to execute when when they're playing in a game, but when you have something that's a little more a, a scratch that's a little more sudden, is there any like paring down of what you guys do defensively to kind of allow guys who may not necessarily be regular starters to be able to play uh, play as fast? Sometimes, Buck. I think you you do that. But when you're talking about those two players specifically, I think it's reasonable to expect uh, Amani to be able to operate and, and function anything that we'd be doing just because you referenced those two players. Now, I think if you had another situation, then that's something that we would have to have looked at or could look at or would look at. And then uh, with uh... – Skipper and Ray, was, was that just a, a literal game time decision when you bring both of them up off the practice squad and, and then end up rolling with Skip? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of factors that go into it. Um, you know, who, who's who's healthy? Who You know, you work guys out before the game. and Who are you going to need for special teams? And, you know, you just – you get um, if you don't bring them up on Saturday, then they're not going to be available to you uh, on Sunday. So to, to have some options available to you on Sunday, that that's the direction in which we had to go. Thank you, uh, Jared. Yeah, Mike. A uh, question about uh, yesterday on on going for it on fourth and two, and the way you guys did it. What leads into a, a decision like that where things are happening so quick? Does, does do you see the the end of the third down play and then immediately say to Arthur, go for it. Or as you talked about ahead of time and, and what led you on the decision for that call yesterday? Mm, Cause I thought we could get it. You know, I thought they were subbing and scrambling. I don't know why the officials stood over the ball. You know, it didn't go out on our sidelines. We didn't sub. So I don't know why the official was in there, um, you know, standing over the football. So didn't get it. And then also, sorry, Mike. Nope. That's okay. Go ahead. Well, and then also, I know you said yesterday, nine wins isn't going to accomplish anything in this league, but five years as general manager, John Robinson took over a team that was picking number one in the draft. What does it say about him that he's had five years and five winning seasons? Well, I mean, I think it starts at the top. I think that, you know, the, the direction that, that we get and the support that we get from, from Amy Adams, uh, Strunk, and then obviously, you know, John the direction in which the, the franchise wants to go, um, you know, his leadership, his support of our, our coaching staff uh, and the type of, of players that, that he wants to bring in. Uh, Steve Lyman. 
Yeah, Mike, it, I know you've already said it on this call that the defense can, needs to continue to improve and be more consistent week in and week out. But if you look just strictly at statistics, you've made some significant strides in, in several areas over the past three, four, five weeks. Do you feel that they have sort of followed that plan of yours and gotten consistently better over the last few weeks? Are you satisfied with that progress? Well, I hate to use the word satisfied. You know, I think we're always going to have to play better, especially this time of year. Uh, as we work towards the, you know, the end of the year, I think that's when you have to be, you know, playing your best in all areas. Um, well, so again, we'll, we'll we'll get back to it. Again, it's another challenge. It's a new offense. It's a it's a team that we don't know much about. Um, and get them playing as a unit and get them playing together. It's a lot better than, than individuals. Uh, team defense is always going to be better than, than a few individual efforts. And then quickly, an offensive question. Derek Henry was asked yesterday about the possibility of 2,000 yards, and he said he much more cares about the team winning than individual accomplishments, which I'm sure you appreciate. But as a coach, when you have a player that's having a season like that, do you, do you give any consideration to – you know, 200 yards yesterday, 2,000 yards at the end of the season. Does that weigh into any of your decision-making at all? Yeah, I think that there's a, um, you know, it's a fine line. I really do. I think that it's um, it's a good situation, I think, to be in, but it's it's not the easiest one. You know, when, when a player has an opportunity to be, you know, five yards away from, you know, 200 yards for the fourth time and two touchdowns and, and be the only player in NFL history to accomplish that. You know, those are things that I have to weigh. Um, I'll be second guessing no matter what we do or what decisions we make, which is, you know, obviously an easy part of this job. Um, but I just think you have to look at the situation and, and see what's going on and, and, and understand uh, how I think excited the players are for, for Derek and, and the offensive line. I think they feel as much a part of what he does. Um, like it's them doing it. Like they are just a part of it. And I think that that's, that's great. I think that's great for our psyche, for our confidence and everything that we're doing but also just being smart and, and where he's at, you know, physically and where everybody's at physically. That's Titans head coach Mike Vrabel speaking with the media following yesterday's win over Jacksonville. 615-737-1045, our number. We'll continue to take your calls and give our thoughts on the Titans win, win number nine on the year with three games to play. Midday 180 delivered by Ellie's Barbecue, 1045 The Zone. Day 180 delivered by Edley's Barbecue. Let Edley's handle your holiday. Christmas dinner packages, feeding six people. You pre-order today through December 21st, which is next Monday. You pick up the Christmas dinner package on Wednesday, December 23rd, and you choose the list you want, the nice list, the super nice list. Santa's VIP, and it feeds six people. It includes turkey, ham, prime rib, and those delicious homemade sides. 
Prices range from $100 to $175. Again, Feeds 6. Pre-order today. Edleysbbq.com will give you more information. If you're Auburn, do you really fire Gus Malzahn after going 6-4 and four this year? If the next hire is Billy Napier? Or Hugh Freeze, even? No. But uh, Hugh, it, Hugh Freeze is the betting favorite. It makes me think that one of two things. You're, you think Urban Meyer? No. I mean, that's the first name I think of. I think that Lane Kiffin, oh. because you're taking the uh, an, an SEC West Rivals coach after one year, Lane Kiffin. I'm not is, saying I think Urban Meyer's coming out of no, his No, Lane his Kiffin and Bruce Pearl reunited in Auburn after a year together in Knoxville would be hilarious, by the way. NCAA would have no problems with that at all, I'm sure, with those two. They would hate that so much they would punish another school for it. Yes. Here's the other one that I think makes a lot of sense, if it's Mario Cristobal. Because you're taking someone who I think is the odds-on favorite to be Nick Saban's successor at Alabama. That's the guy Alabama would go get. So is Nick Saban retiring? No. But I'm saying in terms of splash, you're hiring Oregon's head coach to come over. It would it would make some sense. But it just spitballing here, why pay a coach $21 million not to coach to take away Alabama's successor when they don't need that successor? I, I also just think that it's... Right? Yes, and it's not just taking them away, but you're. I'm saying for Splash, you're hiring Oregon's head coach away, which would be big for Auburn. It'd be huge. If you want him, and he's got all the Southern recruiting ties and everything else, but the Hugh Freeze stuff, Gus Malzahn's more accomplished than Hugh Freeze. I saw Bruce Feldman and others tweeting this. Well, now, uh, you know, Auburn's ahead of Tennessee in the race for Hugh Freeze. There's no race for Hugh Freeze. Hugh Freeze is sliding up into college football writers' DMs trying to get these jobs. Coaches that are in that high of demand that could go anywhere don't need to do that. They don't do that. Hugh Freeze is doing that for a reason. Because his legacy was tarnished at Ole Miss. And he would desperately like to get back into the big time. I just don't buy that it's Hugh Freeze at Auburn. And I'll say it again. If I'm a a job that's coming open, I'm giving Gus Malzahn a call. He's going to be a head coach soon if he wants to be a head coach. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Well, by the way, Art Bryles. He can take his time uh, now. He can take his time now getting $21 in the buyout for the perfect job. Yeah, he, he could sit a year. If I were him, I'd sit a year out at least. You don't want to stay off the, on the sidelines for too long if you want to coach, but I would take this year off. Art Bryles surfaces where? Art Bryles has resigned 31 minutes ago at Mount Vernon High School. Yeah, he's taking a job. Uh, I saw where there was – is there an opening somewhere in Texas? Clay was tweeting about this over the weekend. I, I don't know. I, I do know this, that it was, and I, again, I think I'm, it's Bruce Feldman that tweeted this out, that if Hugh Freeze leaves for Auburn, that Liberty would hire Art Bryles as their head coach. So Liberty's basically the rehab program for these coaches. You know, <laughs> the image of the university doesn't fit the two, <laughs> the two well, hires. I mean, it's, it's about forgiveness, right? <laughs> That's the faith. Sure. So I guess that's that's part of it. You know, we're giving these these Christians a, a second shot. The Christians and the Lions. 
<laughs> oh, man. If I'm – it's going to be very interesting to see what Auburn does here. I think it was a mistake. I, I, I don't think it was the right move. I would have kept Gus Malzahn. He's six and four. I mean, he's going eight and four or nine. You know, it's with a 10 game SEC season. I think it was a weird move. Chad, as you've been saying from the jump, Clark Lee uh, getting a lot of interest from Vandy. You were saying that last week. And he's reportedly the guy. Yeah, he was always in the mix. I mean, he was always right there. He was always Tim Corbin's guy in that search. And it's looking more and more like he is the guy. Still no official word from either side that he has taken the job. But multiple reports out there from national media members that he has been offered the job and is the leading candidate to let uh, to land the head coaching job at Vanderbilt. Back at it tomorrow, midday 180, delivered by Edley's Barbecue, 104.5 The Zone.